Welcome to the Wisdom Talk Radio Show, bringing you insight, illumination, and inspiration in service to the world. We are a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living, conscious business, conscious relationships, conscious community, and conscious evolution. Welcome. I'm Laurie Seymour, founder of The Baca Journey. My guest today is my friend Barb Schmidt of Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. Barb is a practitioner of mindfulness and meditation, and she's been doing that for over 30 years. She's the author of the internationally best-selling book, The Practice, Simple Tools for Managing Stress, Finding Inner Peace, and Uncovering Happiness. Over the years, she has been on over 100 retreats and studied with teachers around the world from Deepak Chopra to the Dalai Lama. In 2011, she founded the nonprofit organization Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life. Her mission was to bring mindfulness teachings to the community in the belief that outer peace begins through inner peace. And I know that's something that's so dear to my heart. I know we'll be talking about that today. Currently, Barb is teaching regular mindfulness and meditation workshops at the Boca Raton Regional Hospital in Florida as part of the Peaceful Mind, Peaceful Life Wellness Series. I am delighted to have Barb as my guest today. Um, I've known her for some time, but we haven't had a chance to talk in a while. So I'm particularly pleased to be able to uh, bring her on as a guest to Wisdom Talk Radio today. Welcome, Barb. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Uh, it's just great to hear your voice. It's good to see you, my friend. It's really wonderful <laughs> to be here. It's like, it's like no time has passed. I know, I know. Just for our listening audience's curiosity, um, the last time we were together, we were in Gail Larson's transformational speaking program, just having such an amazing program uh, and a time together discovering a whole different level of, of giving truth to our own words. Yeah. And I think the, the magical thing for me about that week together was really bonding uh, and, and meeting such amazing people and like-minded people and a, and a whole new community, mm-hmm. you know, across the, the, across the globe, really. So it's exactly. fabulous. Yeah. It's so nice to hear your voice. But since then, you have been very busy, um, doing lots. I, I can, you know, I see you, I see your work. And I know that it's just like it is for me, mindfulness and meditation and, and that whole way of being with life is, well, it's changed your life like it's changed mine. And if you could say a little bit about your own journey to come to that, to come to that place of recognizing how meditation is the transformative factor for living a peaceful life. Lori, it's so, it's been so, so amazing to me, um, you know, practicing for over 30 years and since writing the book and launching the book in 2014, these past couple of years of being out, you know, promoting not only, only promoting the book and talking about the book, but also being with so many different audiences. What I, what I feel today in 2017 is that what happened for me and the transformation that needed to happen through meditation and mindfulness was developing a deep 
love, respect, and trust for myself and a deep relationship with myself. And I've felt that that was what was necessary. I had great success. I, I lived in a very traumatic, traumatic childhood. Both of my parents were alcoholics. So it was, you know, I had all kinds of, um, you know, unpredictability and trauma and uh, never knowing which end is up and not knowing what parent I was going to wake up to in the morning and all those things you could imagine mm-hmm. being in a dysfunctional, um, addictive household. But I didn't always have that spark inside of me. I would go to bed at night saying, this is not going to be my life. This is not going to be my life. So I ended up with four jobs in high school, um, working over 30 hours a week in high school. And one of those jobs was, and so by the age of 14 with four jobs, by the age of 17, I was living on my own with my own apartment, my own car, making $125 a week in 1974. (laughs) And I had made it, you know, I had really, I knew that this was not going to be my life. And by 23 years old, I owned my first McDonald's restaurant. By 30, I owned five. So I had, I, it wasn't my life. And I truly was able to make it in society's terms in the, in the outside world with all the, the money and the, and the things and the recognition and the success externally. But I was dying inside. I was mm-hmm. suffering from an eating disorder of bulimia during all of this and really felt that it didn't matter about me and who I was. It just mattered what I did and what I accomplished. And just so long as I looked good and everybody liked me and, and I kept on going as fast as I could, you know, I really felt like I was living, living a a fast paced, great life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had no, I was living it. I didn't even know the person that was living it because I didn't think that I mattered. Uh, So in 1984, I, I had a breakdown and, couldn't get out of bed and uh, heard the voice inside that said, you need to go get help or you're going to die. So I was really fortunate that the treatment center that I checked myself into uh, taught me meditation, mindfulness, yoga, how to be with myself. You know, back then, no cell phones. We didn't even have televisions. We were alone Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So it it launched my recovery and, and launched this, uh, um, this path that I've been on for over 30 years. And I really love my passion now has really morphed. It's, it's always been to help people find through meditation and mindfulness, you know, a peaceful, when I say peaceful, I mean, strong, I mean, loving, I can handle anything that life sends my way. I'm really grounded in my own being and my own self. And I've really added to that, that I have a great relationship with me and I trust myself completely. So that's how meditation and mindfulness, I really developed a beautiful relationship with me mm-hmm. and trust me. Yeah. And that's the foundation of everything that I do in my life. I, I don't know if you can have a relationship, a true meaningful one with anything else in our lives until it, it, we have that, that really good one. with. Yeah. And, and you know, that it's lovely for me to hear you speak about that. And especially I feel like we're kind of sisters in this, in that, we've both been on this path for a long time and, you know, and that meditation has been a part of my life for probably about the same number of years as it has been for you. And that, that, that place where we find a way to connect with the truth of who we are. We find the way to, to love ourselves instead of doubt ourselves, instead of give ourselves away and operate for everything that the external world or the outer world wants once from us and of us. And, and I, I am so moved by the way in which you have taken this out into the world. Um, in that, that, that sense that 
we can't have any kind of outer peace in the world without having that inner peace first. Um, that has been a, a kind of a foundational piece for you, has it not? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I think it's probably the cornerstone of my passion that if I can do it, you can do it. I say it to every <laughs> single person that I've met because certainly I was at the depths of, of des I mean, really despair. I mm -hmm. thought I was going to die. I didn't think that my life mattered. Um, and I, I thought if this is what life is all about, I'm never going to get it. So it really didn't matter that I had all this money and power and fame and, and all these things that society would tell me that I'd made it. None of that really mattered because I, I thought that I, I hadn't made it and that if this is what life was all about, I, I, I was never going to get there. So I was at the bottom. Yeah, you didn't and have you. No, no. And I didn't even think that that, I didn't even understand what that meant. No, right? of course it didn't not. Even, it didn't even make any sense to me. I didn't even know it. And so because of where I was and where I came from, and the life, we're not at the mercy of the external world. And nothing in our past and nothing in our lives can ever define who we are. And so I am, a, I am a walking example of my past is not who I am. What I've done, what happened to me, how I was raised. You know, I truly know my parents did the best that they could given they had. And to really believe that and walk in your own strength and power, knowing that everything that happens for you, all those beautiful quotes we hear from the great teachers and masters of the world, you know, that everything that happens is for a reason. And to really get all of that in your being, that who you are today and what's happening for you today is exactly what is meant mm -hmm. to be, mm -hmm. to, to put you where you are is a beautiful thing. And I want everybody to have that opportunity to know that who they are and where they are is exactly who they're meant to be and where they're supposed to be right now in this present moment. So I'm, I'm on fire with that. Um, I feel it. I feel yeah. it. And, and that doesn't mean that people have to blame themselves it, because mm, that's no. not what it's about. It's not like saying, well, I'm suffering, therefore I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. You get caught up in that a lot. And that's not what the message is. The yeah. message is, is one that's there to hmm, expand that feeling of I really can do something that works for me in my life. I can yeah. be who I am, even if everybody else says I can't. Even if the loudest voice that's saying I can't is my own. Yeah. You know, and, and we're not perfect. And I am and by no means ever saying that I'm perfect. I think what's so fun when I speak to people is they always say to me, you're so real because you tell us all your, you know, your frailties <laughs> and all your mistakes. And I said, of course, just because I'm meditating for over 30 years and on this path doesn't mean that I don't make mistakes and that I don't get angry and I don't get exactly. frustrated and irritated and, and get off, lose my temper. And I like to, I, I like, I liken it to we're surfers. You know, I don't surf, but I love and adore the water. And I just think of life as how, how can we manage the waves and how we can we catch the waves at just the right place for us and ride that wave. And then when something, you know, knocks us off balance, we get knocked off balance. We may even fall into the water for a short period of time, but we don't ever drown. We're not really drowning. We may be hanging on for dear life sometimes because life can throw us some really unpredictable, scary things from time to time. But in the end, we've got it. We know that we've got it. And we can just trust that if we're just hanging on, that's good enough for right now. Or if yeah. we're thriving and really moving forward, whoa, that's good enough for right now. And just really living in the present moment. I, I think blame, guilt, regret, all of that is such a waste of our energy and our time. And we need every 
resource and piece of energy we've got right now. Uh, I think given the times that we live, we we do and, we do and, and yeah. yeah. And, and that's something I wanted to bring up because just before we started the recording, you and I were speaking about what we saw in our in our mutual worlds uh, and our shared world after the this election and and in these um, in these months following that, where people have felt like there's 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 more at stake and there's more that that we have to do and there and there's more concern and and um, upset. And so the, the need for, for mindfulness in, in terms of how do we deal with our own everyday life is even more important. You know, no matter what political side you landed on in this election, we ended up with a lot of separation and anxiety mm-hmm. and fear. And so I've really been uh, mindful and thinking a lot about what can I contribute because my whole life is about service you know, where am I being called and what do I need to mm-hmm. do in this moment and what do I want to do and, and where should I show up? And what's coming to me a lot, Lori, is that um, understanding, how can we find ways to start understanding each other? We've really got a big divide on, on who's right and mm-hmm. who's wrong and, and really, really not finding any middle ground. So I've been, I've been really working a lot on and a lot of group work as well in this idea of how do we start coming together with some understanding? Like I can understand where you're coming from. You can understand where I'm coming from and we can agree to disagree, but really start to uh, step our feet in the water of coming together because the separation is not healthy for any of us. Yes. To see that there is presence alive and well in that person that you're disagreeing with. Yeah. 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 Because there's a lot of, uh, I've been seeing a lot of people wanting to wipe other people out almost. And I'm not talking about physically, but just, you know, that, that, because there's that disagreement, you don't have a right to exist. Yeah, and you know, and I think I've always been um, uh, fond and in love with and adore Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela, those great teachers. Mm-hmm. You know, and Gandhi saying that quote of his really has been a bedrock of my life. You know, be the change you wish to see. And what I've noticed for me, because uh, I'm I'm in a mixed I'm in a mixed group where I am here in Florida. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. got both sides of the political spectrum. And whenever I'm with one side or the other or both sides, I, I am always met with great respect. And I'm always met with great um, care. And I've mm-hmm. often I have people saying to me, wow, you seem to be able to ride both ways. And I said, you know why? I said, because I have an open heart. I'm curious as to what makes people feel and think the way that they do. Yeah. And I have no judgment and no um, criticism of who they are. And I really want to understand, but that doesn't mean I don't have my strong views and opinions and thoughts, but I never infringe them or make someone feel less than because of what I believe and what I think. And so we find, I find myself being able to find common ground. So I'm now trying to sort out how can I carry that even further in my work? Yes. Okay. So, so what, what is that? um, Where are you seeing that now? How are you using mindfulness, meditation, all of that to, to strengthen relationships, to strengthen how do we deal with each other? And then how do we deal with ourselves? You know, I think what I've noticed the most is once you get going on a thought, uh, 
and especially if it's a negative one or an angry one or one that separates you from other people or helps you get you down the path of judging, uh, it's hard to stop that train from really mm-hmm. going full speed ahead. Mm-hmm. So I've really been working with people. Once you get a negative or a judgmental or a hateful or a really mean, ugly, unkind thought in your mind about another person, especially if it's someone you like. I mean, this election has, <laughs> has divided you know, people that were close friends or husband and wives or partners or what it is. I have seen it divide every segment of our population where I am. So especially it's easy to do it with someone you like to look, you know, just stop yourself, take a breath, say to yourself, wow, I'm thinking these not so nice things about someone that I really do care about. Let me just stop here for a moment. We're going so fast today in this world and we're never take. We, we think that we have to keep going. So I use this a lot, you know, pause, breathe, and then begin again, mm-hmm. you know, pause, breathe, and begin again and use that all day long and not allow your mind to get carried away with hate uh, and angry and unkind thoughts. And it's working. People are telling me, you know, I never, I never thought about stopping. I never thought about thinking about what I'm thinking. <laughs> especially if I don't meditate, you know, it's really, mm-hmm. it's really mm-hmm. hard. It's one of the things that one of the beautiful things about meditation is you become so intimately aware of your thoughts. And so mindfulness and meditation really helps you become very aware of what you're thinking and what triggers you. And you start to be, you start really noticing that I'm sending myself down this negative path. And by the time four o'clock rolls around, I'm exhausted. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I, I teach a lot about the feeling body, how we need to pay attention to how our body feels because the thought will create that, um, that feeling in the body of dis-ease, uncomfortableness. Um, and, and we're going to, in that place, be so much more apt to continue down that path of the judgment. I just did a post about that, Lori. I just did a whole talk about feeling your feelings, really feeling it in the body, mm-hmm. denying it, not trying to push it away. Um, you and I spoke before, my dog has been sick, and it's been a really sad week for me. She's got a lot of health issues going on, and mm-hmm. I have my work to do, and I have my things that I have commitments for. And so I thought, I do want to feel the feelings of the sadness and the concern that I have. And by feeling the feelings, it's like um, that uh, Jill Bolte-Taylor, the, the beautiful woman that did the TED Talk, you know, it takes 90 seconds for a feeling, you know, to come and go through your body, unless, of course, you feed it thoughts from the mind. <laughs> I've really been using that a lot because I noticed that if we're not really feeling it, noticing in our body, feeling it, acknowledging it, naming it, and not being afraid or embarrassed or, oh, I'm fine, I you know, I, you know, are pushing it away and then it comes out sideways somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I've noticed this week practicing that and I've had a lot more energy, even though I'm concerned and, and giving great care for my dog, I still have the energy to do the work that I want to do because I'm not denying how I feel and I'm allowing exactly. how I feel. So you're so right on with that. Lord. Yeah. You're not denying it and you're also not dwelling in it. You're letting that just wash through you yeah. and you take a breath and you, as you said earlier, you begin again. Yeah, and I don't beat myself up if it comes back. I think Of course we, not. So often we think, okay, I did my meditation or I did my breathing or I felt, you know, I'm fine. And then it comes back and then, oh, what's the matter with me? Come on, Barb, get over this. And <laughs> hard on ourselves. The people mm-hmm. that I 
spend a lot of time with, uh, especially the work I'm doing at the Boca Raton Regional Hospital, we are the, we are the harshest on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Always. Always. So how do you see that the whole idea of uh, forgiveness plays into this? How does that work with, with mindfulness? Or how does mindfulness work with forgiveness? I, everything, I think. Um, forgiveness, I, I learned everything that I know about forgiveness from the Dalai Lama. Mm. I was on retreat with him several times. And he changed my life in 2007 when he said, uh, it, and I've kind of paraphrased this and used it in my own work, but basically forgiveness is not forgetting. Mm-hmm. I always for years thought that in order to truly forgive, I had to forget what happened. I had to be okay with what happened. And then, you know, if, if, if it seemed okay to go have lunch with the person again. So I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I was working so hard on how to forget some of the traumas and some of the really big um, things that had happened in my life. And when I really got it, that forgiveness is for me and forgiveness is not forgetting that I can forgive the other person because I'm trying to release the charge, you know, to stop, stop having that charge of the anger and the resentment towards someone or the offense or the mistake or the flaw or the trauma or whatever it is and wanting to release the charge, but not necessarily being in the presence of the other person again. Yeah. It's been everything for me. And I think when you get that, I've had more people say to me, Oh, I didn't really quite understand that, that forgiveness is for me. And it really has nothing to do with the other person. That's so powerful, Bart, because people often feel like, well, I'm holding on to this because it makes me stronger. It makes me more powerful. And there's a, there's a tendency to mistake that feeling in the body that that charge gives you as strength, as real strength. Where yeah. when you let go of that and you move into that forgiveness for yourself, that forgiveness, even sometimes it's of yourself. Like, oops, for a moment I forgot who I really am. With that forgiveness comes such beautiful inner strength. Yeah. Well, I think people mistake the strength that they feel by holding on to the grievance as if I, if I release it or if I give it up, I'm strong because it's not going to happen mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I'm weak if I forgive, if I let it go. Yeah. And so that what's happening is, for I believe, is by hanging on to the grievance, thinking that you're strong and powerful because this is never going to happen to me again. You're not allowing it to transform you. You're not allowing it to teach you what it is that you needed to learn so that you can now set new boundaries and wake up to new possibilities of what I need to do uh, that's healthy for me and others in relationships. That's what I learned the most. I had really poor boundaries, I noticed. Mm-hmm. I was hanging on to the grievance. I was never going to get to the place of understanding what I needed to learn. So my power and my strength in relationships now is that I know what I need to do and I know what boundaries I need to set. And I know where I cross my own boundaries and allow myself to be compromised or to be used or to be put upon. I know instantly because I'm not holding on to the past grievance uh, and thinking that that's what was making me strong. I know more powerful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's the feeling in your body, Barb, if you can identify that when you, you say you instantly know when you cross your own boundaries, what is that feeling? I can't speak. I I literally, I literally feel like I'm choking. When I've crossed a boundary, my whole chest tightens up and I, Mm -hmm. and I can't speak. I could be in the presence with a, with someone and I've said something 
that I will do that I know that I can't because uh, uh-huh. I crossed a boundary or I haven't set a clear boundary and now something has come back, you know, to, to place me in a situation where I have to st- make some tough decisions mm-hmm. and I feel frozen. I feel like I can't speak and my whole body uh, tenses up. Mm-hmm. And I get very, very stuck. And I think that is really a signal. I know that for me, it always begins in my throat. Because if you can't set good boundaries, it usually isn't <laughs> very well. That's right. Mm-hmm. So I know that about me, that whenever I'm feeling stuck or if I'm feeling like I've crossed a boundary or I've said something that I wish that I hadn't said or whatever it is, it, it always for me begins in my throat. And then if I ignore it, the feeling goes to my stomach. I feel ah, okay. And ignoring it is overriding it. You know, it's, it's, it's pushing ahead. Like I hear people sometimes say to me, well, I said I would do this. When you can feel in every part of their, their being that they do not want to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I say to people all the time, if I say, because I've tried to get really much better at saying no, with a complete sentence, I used to say no and then add, 10 paragraphs after to why I was <laughs> better at that. And what, what I say to people when they really want to push me, you know, please, would you please, I'll say, you know what? I could say yes in this moment, but you're not going to have all of me because my heart's just really not in it. And I don't think it's something that's really right for me. Mm-hmm. You really want to have the person fully committed and present. And because there's such a difference when you have both feet in your life saying yes with gusto and, and doing it in such a beautiful, loving uh, way, the, the end result is is so much better than just kind of muddling along and doing it. Oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish exactly. I hadn't done that. And, yeah. yeah, it's it's but it's, it's I, I, life is an experiment. I I say it all the time that my life is an experiment. You just try try things out, and that's how you learn. And I love the work that you do with the body because I've certainly learned about my body so much better that it's giving me clues all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more. Yeah, it's all, it all comes down to the inner research. You know, we, we are, life is an experiment and, and we are the researchers into our own life because I, what I'm passionate about is that life really can work. That doesn't mean that it's always pleasurable or nice and, you know, hunky-dory. It means that when I live from my own insides, things flow. And when they're not flowing, I get to look at, well, what is going on? And to be curious about that. And I find curiosity to be such a valuable tool. And I, I love how much you allow your own curiosity for your life to, to move you. I say often, um, be serious about the life that you're leading, because it is your beautiful, precious life, but don't take yourself so seriously. Because <laughs> it's so true. We can get so stuck on, on our own um, you know, little viewpoints and, and ways that we think life should be. And if it doesn't work out this way, oh no, what are we going to do? And so instead of being anxious and fearful, and it's really, I think the times that we're living in right now is, is a great practice for that. Being curious, being open, being receptive and allowing life to, to it's going to give you what it needs to give you anyway. You really don't have any control over it is what I've noticed the most. <laughs> I have no control. Why not go with it? Because my power and control comes over making choices and, and decisions and taking actions. And that's where my power is. Yes. Yes. So tell me, Barb, you are a woman that has always been of service. What does that mean for you today? You know, I, I have, 
I think I was born this way. I do remember at a young age saying to me, honey, you're going to change the world. Uh, I was, I've always been passionate. I've always felt like I am here to help. I am here to relieve suffering. I'm here to help others. Even when I felt like I needed the most help because my life was so sad and so unmanageable and so dysfunctional, there was always a part of me that, that felt better when I was doing something for someone else. And I'm sure that's why I had four jobs. Mm-hmm. Besides wanting to make the money. <laughs> I was delivering newspapers at 5.30 in the morning before I went to school. So I, I felt like as long as I could get outside of myself in some way, then I wasn't really ever feeling too sorry for myself. Uh-huh. Started off that way, I believe, Lori, that I, I didn't have time to dwell, using that word that you just brought up. I love that word. I didn't have time to dwell too much on my sadness and my situation because I was outside of myself doing and others. Uh, because I do believe that um, we are all here to leave the world better than when we got here and to try to do mm-hmm. whatever we can to do our part. Uh, I've been many retreats with Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk, and he said something in a ritual way back in the early 90s that touched my heart deeply. And it was exactly how I feel. You know, just try to relieve the suffering of just one human being every single day of your life, even if it's just give them a smile. Uh, so I've often thought there are people that have it so much worse than I do, no matter how bad I do have it. Um, so it's, being of service means to, to help, to help where I can, where I can, no matter what I can do. And it, there's not a a set template for it. It doesn't have to be the most grand thing. Mm-hmm. Gandhi freeing India or Martin Luther King Jr. You know, freeing with the civil rights movement. But I can do my own little part every single day. And I think it really helps mold the people and gives us our power and our strength. We're not really dwelling and brooding over what we don't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How sad our lives are. And it gives me the the beautiful thing, you know, people who, who are in service say this all the time, they get more than they give. That is absolutely true. But what I feel like I get from it is my transformation. My, wow, I, like I said, my life is not going to be like this. I do have the power to name who I am. No one has the power to decide who I am. That's my choice and that's my decision. And I can be uh, exactly who I am and be beautiful who I am and do the work that I desire to do. And it doesn't really matter what other people think. And I can allow them to have their opinions and have, while well, I have my own opinion as well. So it's, uh, I think service opens up a lot of awareness for ourselves while it's doing tremendous good for others. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing a, um, something about being of service, connecting you with your own purpose, your own sense of purpose. Yeah. I, so many people ask me, how do you find your purpose? How did you find what you're doing? And there couldn't be two, two more separate things than here's a girl owning six McDonald's restaurants in the first path. Life, and now she's a vegetarian meditation. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think, I think you're, I, I know I, there are many teachers that say your purpose finds you. And I like to say your purpose unfolds for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have ever imagined that I would be where I am, but I am so amazingly grateful because it's exactly where I'm supposed to be. So I think sometimes you get curious and just be open and just keep doing the work that you're being called to do in the moment. And you will land in the, in the purpose or the path or the, 
the deep desires that you wish to to do in the world. Just know yeah. who you are and forever. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I spoke to high school kids last week. I spent a week with high school kids a week ago before the graduation. And I just said, if I can tell you one thing, please don't ever try to be anyone else and don't ever try to be something that you're not because it can never work. You will be old and gray saying, shoot, I still, didn't, I still didn't become that person that I thought I wanted to be. You can only be who you are. And so really start now cultivating that, that depth and that knowing and that curiosity and acceptance and love of who you are. And in a way, and I isn't that the best purpose in the world? Yeah, then you, because then you're really, you're, all your energy is going into being instead of trying to, uh, sort of trying to do and become and you're actually mm-hmm. exactly who you are. So It's the biggest purpose that I can, can, can think of is for us to be who we are, for me to be who I am. And, and that, that, as you said, it unfolds. It's, it, it's not like we come to a place and say, oh, I'm living my purpose. Because purpose shifts and changes and keeps on going. Yeah, and it's not easy. I don't want anyone to think, oh, this is really easy to find your purpose and discover who you are. But just asking the question and stepping one foot onto the path and then placing the other foot onto the path and uh, being open and receptive to whatever comes your way. And I think acceptance for me is the key, along with understanding who you, uh, I think in that process of understanding who you are, there's a lot of healing and forgiveness that has to happen. So I'm mm-hmm. coming to the truth is your basis of all the healing that can happen for you. And then you start really, uh, it just kind of, it ha- that's the beauty of meditation. <laughs> it just happens. You just have the faith and you start peeling the layers of the onion off of who you are and, you know, accepting who you are. And, well, I like, you know, whatever it is you like, well, I like this. And if someone says to you, I have many people, I don't care too much for mushrooms. For some reason, they just have never been particularly fond of them. And so many people say to me, you're a vegetarian though. Why don't you like them? And so it's, <laughs> people have their own energies and their own opinions about what you like and what you don't like. And so instead of getting defensive or irritated or whatever, I just say, you know, I don't really know, but I just know that I don't. And wow. I'm just owning it. And it's not easy. It's a practice. And I think that's why I titled my book, Practice the Practice, because it really life is all practicing, you know, and how do we grow into the demands of what are put in front of us? Yeah. And the, the thing that I keep coming back to for myself and for really everybody that I'm with is you just need to begin. Yeah. Yeah. Take one step. You might not know what the next step is and you probably won't know what the next step is. Just take what's right there in front of you. Yeah. And I love that idea that we're here to learn and we're here to grow. And if you ask yourself, then how can I grow into the demands or the things that are right here in front of me in this present moment today, instead of saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to fight this? How am Mm -hmm. I going to fight this? What am I going to do? You know, or how am I going to run away from this? We're in that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. I think in life, especially today, fight and flight. And I like to show people and help them see that there's a third place to be. And just how can I be with this and let it show me what it is I need to do? Yeah, that's beautiful, Barb. That's beautiful. Is there anything else that you would like to, in this moment, share with our listeners? 
oh, I just would love for people to get how amazing they are. You know, our, oh, our yes. I, you know, I, that's, mm. I, I think being with high school kids last week, I just love them to death. And I, it's my daughter, Michelle, she says to me, mom, you say that about every single, every, every single class, every single thing you teach. I just love them. And I do. I think we are amazing human beings and we're living these ordinary lives that truly are extraordinary. These are extraordinary times, but all times are extraordinary. So I think just really be, find ways to cultivate a relationship with you, whether that's silence and meditation for a minute or two each day. Uh, I love to to share with people when you wake up in the morning, before you get out of bed, before you go check your phone, before you turn on the television, before you're at the computer, before anything, before you even get out of bed, just when you open your eyes, close them again. And just lie there in silence just for a minute or two, noticing your breath. And then before you open your eyes and put your feet on the floor, name one thing that you're grateful for. You know, I'm grateful for this in my life today. And I always, before I, my feet touch the ground, I say thank you for the gift of this new day. And then how you begin your day sets the tone for the entire day you always can come back to that beautiful moment that you had with yourself first thing when you woke up in the morning so i would offer the person listening just do that for the first couple minutes every single morning before you start your day you'll be amazed at what that will unfold day after day day after day i had a i had a beautiful friend did that for 365 days straight he Mm -hmm. said i i was i made it a point to be grateful for something different all 365 days and he would write it down. He kept a little gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. 365 different places of gratitude in his life. And we all, it's amazing what we have in our lives when we really put attention on what we have and what we can be grateful for. And it's a beautiful way to begin the day. And we can carry that thread of gratitude and that thread of, uh, of love for ourselves throughout our whole day. Yeah. Well, I am so with you on that, Barb. And, and, so with you also on the way that that changes everything in our world and then everything in the, in the greater world. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to make sure that people know how they can reach you. Um, your website is www.barb, B-A-R-B, Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D-T dot com. Yes. That's the best place for people to reach you? That's the best place. And then we, I also have the nonprofit website at PeacefulMindPeacefulLife.org. Uh, and then look us up on all social media, you know, Facebook, Instagram. We have a really large presence on both of those platforms. It's my passion to spread this to the world. We offer great inspiration, and, and we're launching a new e-course in the next few months to, to give people even more tools and, and support. It's a community of support. And when you get on, especially, I'm loving, Lori, the interaction with the, the communities on Facebook and Instagram, the support mm-hmm. for each other, uh, the love for each other, for people that don't even know each other. We're all over. Yeah. It's so wonderful, isn't it? Beautiful community of people. Yeah. Well, thank you, Barb Schmidt, author of The Practice, Simple Tools for Managing Stress, Finding Inner Peace, and Uncovering Happiness. I'm so glad that we got to connect again today. Oh, I am too, Lori. It's been such a pleasure to be with you. I love you. I love you too. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. You can find more Wisdom Talk radio episodes on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time. 
Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.